Maybe he just never puts on pants. <laughs> <laughs> I, sometimes some of these things I just want to get out of my system because I had an idea for to cut the the Aquaman discussion we had. A couple <laughs> yes, of, yes. And I was like, you know what? I know nobody cares about this movie, but I really want to do this. I, I really wanted to work Super Friends into. It was so great. <laughs> I saw that was so great. Aquaman sweeps the vast areas of the ocean with his sonar. And and Lobo because you were, you didn't you mentioned Lobo in the episode, but, but, that's, but that's, that's what pretty, you were hinting at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely are a superhero character, but you're just not that one. <laughs> mm, I love you too. That's that's yeah. the big rumor. The Super Friends zoom for the surface. You want to talk Superman casting stuff or Doctor Who? That's a good yeah, question. We can talk them both. Superman casting stuff is pretty quick. We can get that out of the way. Okay, let's let's hit it then. I, I mean, I just don't know how big this... I, I know that he is seeding his DC universe, but I'm like, what is this script that's going to have all these elements in it? But yes, the, the official word has come, if you guys don't already know, and I'm sure you do, but Nicholas Holt has now officially been uh, announced as Lex Luthor. And I think that's great. I, I think we had talked about it before because he was apparently brought up for Superman too. Right. Um, and, and I think it was probably them going, that guy could do either one. Uh, but I think he'll make a really good Luther. I know it's his deal is to kind of like, he teases everybody with he, uh, Jimbo releases these bits of information and then goes back to the whole thing of like, he's going to be a new take. It's like, you haven't seen a Luther like this before. And I'm kind of like, well, okay. The, the only thing is I worry, like, does that mean, I mean, Jesse Eisenberg was a Luther I'd never seen before. And then <laughs> I was like, and that's a Luther I don't ever want to see again. Yeah, right. <laughs> is it possible that we never, and I like Jesse Eisenberg. No offense, Jesse. We still good being you. Okay, but uh, but that was a terrible take. It was a terrible take on the character. It was it was like the the fire the, uh, engines agree. Yeah, yeah, they agree. Here come the firemen. Yeah, yeah. Awful was, take. That's he was like take. He, he was like the fourth stooge that you just didn't want to meet ever. <laughs> yeah, I, I love twitchy genius, long, lanky haired. I'm like, no, on all this is awful. They tried to woo me at that last little uh, pre-credit sequence, or was it button, where oh, he's, he's bald, finally bald. and he goes, yeah. he goes, what about I'm putting together an Injustice League? And I was like, yeah, yeah that's better, but I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> that's better, but I'm out. <laughs> was pretty much what I said at, in the movie theater. That should be um, like a book, title of a book about the, the DCEU. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, the latter days of the DCEU. <laughs> oh, uh, by the way, I it's time for a new segment on our podcast, and we're okay. getting back. We're going to get back to the Superman casting, but uh, I thought of this, and if I don't say it, I'll forget it. A uh, new segment called Brendan Recommendens. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Brendan Recommendens, and I am currently reading a book called MCU. Which is a uh, unauthorized history of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, Joanna Robinson, I believe, is the author. It's very thorough. Actually, multiple authors, but I think she's the main one. Um, 
it's not an oral history, which I do love, but there are a lot of great quotes and so forth. And it does chart it from the earliest days. Uh, and it's really good. It's just really good. It's uh, If you're a fan and you followed all the stuff as these movies came out, there won't be too many surprises, big surprises. Okay, But it is amazing. It still amazes you when you're reading it like this. It shouldn't have worked. And it's amazing that it did. And without a Kevin Feige, it never would have happened. So it's it's really, really awesome. Um, cool. I'm also recommending uh, Blue Eye Samurai on Netflix, uh, the animated series. It is gorgeous. It is really great. I, I know that people are already psyched about it. You need to watch it, Chad. You need to okay. watch it. It's so good. And it's for adults. So oh. it's it's very you know bloody and occasionally there's naked boobs. So uh, now I've got you. Now I got you. <laughs> it's really good. And also I'm recommending the last one is Godzilla minus one, which again that is not um, that's not me being a hot take. Everyone loves that movie. It's now the top grossing foreign film uh, in America this year and possibly for several years. It's really good. What's the deal? Okay. And there's also the Monarch Project on Apple TV. Monarch. Uh, Legacy of Monsters. Yes. What the hell is that about? <laughs> it doesn't, I like it's your, not a f- that's a good pull quote. What the hell is that about? I mean, it's not the Godzilla verse, is it? No. It is the Godzilla verse. It is. Um, Godzilla minus one is not connected at all. That's the difference. Godzilla minus one, the feature film, is not connected to the movies that have come out lately or Monarch. Monarch is connected to the Godzilla movies that we've had recently and the Kong movies and Godzilla Kong. Okay. Yeah, Monarch is a TV tie-in to those movies, and I'm watching it. I'm enjoying it. (laughs) It's like Agents of Shield for for the G. That's GCU. actually not a bad or the KCU yeah, whatever you call it. <laughs> yeah or, or the, the Kaiju U uh, or Gojira U. Gojira U, yeah. Uh, it's okay, and Kurt Russell, the man's amazing. Like he's the best thing in it whenever he's on screen. But they keep asking me to care about these young, pretty people who are the main characters. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> and it's actually co-created by a, a very um, talented comic book writer, uh, Matt Fraction, uh, who has written a lot of great stuff, specifically Marvel stuff. Um, he's one of the guys who created Monarch, the series. But I'm like, I can see the comic book thread in it, but it's just, I don't, really like these stereotypical like uh, I'm a cool hacker chick uh, I'm the troubled daughter of the scientific genius uh, I'm a guy okay great I don't care about him really <laughs> is, is uh, it like is it like annoying in a CW kind of way no it's, no, no it's like smarter him? than that and it's not okay. like people taking their shirts off to like go look at my washboard abs it's just I like the idea, which is the human stories on the ground in between these giant monster fights and the organization that's been tracking Titans, which is what they call all of those monsters. Did you see those Godzilla movies, by the way, the most recent ones? Um, 
Did I? I know I saw that one that that uh, uh, the guy from uh, Breaking Bad was yeah, annoying the alien the for five minutes. Godzilla. Yeah, he's in it for five minutes and dies. What's his name? Again? I can always Brian forget his Cranston. Name. Brian Cranston, who was oh, they great were talking in it, about him for Luther, and it's like, is it because he was bald for a lot of that show? <laughs> Though he would have made an awesome Luther because oh, that course. guy is an amazing actor. He's a, he's a little thick above the age range, I think. Guns yeah, going yeah. If, they, yeah. if they're wanting yeah. them to kind of be, I think, in sync mirroring yeah. each other which yeah. that works for the comics too yeah. but um yeah no it that was the first one and this series takes place but in two different timelines which is how they have wyatt russell the actor playing young kurt russell so he's playing the same character oh, his dad is because uh, uh, they keep bouncing back to the 1950s when that organization is being formed and our first encounter with the kaijus and then moving forward to after that movie. Um, and it's between that movie and I think the, the second one. So it, it's basically fitting in gaps. Uh, Godzilla Kong was pretty, pretty fun. I enjoyed it. It gets batshit crazy because they go to the hollow earth and that's their explanation of where the kaiju are. Oh, so, that's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So they end up fighting like Kong and Godzilla are fighting in the middle of the earth. And it's just, it's that, fantastical. That was crazy. Yeah, I did see that. Oh, you I, did? I was like, I, I thought it was okay. I mean, I did like, oh, I thought, here I thought the go. first, I thought the first Godzilla was, was good, but just kind yeah. of dis- disappointing. And, and, you know, yeah, they, they did think. the thing of teasing out his first appearance for a long time because they wanted it to have a big impact but yeah. some people are like is this a godzilla movie or what yeah and i, I only recently saw the kong the first kong movie yeah kong which, I thought was Island. fascinating how many beats they stole from from peter jackson's movie didn't they well, i mean there I, like entire scenes that they just basically mm, i mean the helicopter thing mm, i thought I, I thought there was something that they did that was like We'd already I mean, seen uh, it, the thing is, if you make a King Kong movie, you're going to have him grabbing planes or helicopters out of the sky and doing that. What I found was very funny is that in order for them to build, because that was the whole deal, is they wanted that Kong movie because they were building to a Godzilla Kong. So they had to do this thing about, look how much bigger he is than like 1930s Kong and even Peter Jackson's Kong is not. Godzilla size. He's giant, but he's not 200 feet tall. So Kong of Skull Island, they're like going, oh no, this guy's really big. Really big, yeah. Uh, and the effects were great, and you had, you know, solid actors in it. You, you, you had um, Adrian, was it Adrian Brody? Come on, fireman, tell me. <laughs> Brody was um, in the Peter Jackson movie, wasn't he? Oh, right. That- yes. I think I'm getting people mixed up. Sorry. Yeah. Along with who, uh, Jack who was, Black. Who was Hero Guy in Kong of Skull Island? Um, good question. But I know it had Brie Larson in it. Yes. And Samuel Jackson, right? Yeah. Kong Skull Island. Look how I do the typey type. Oh, it was Tom Hiddleston. Oh, it was Loki. Of That's course. right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, John, yeah, yeah. John Goodman, uh, by the way, who was in that one. Right. He shows up as that character at the very beginning of Monarch. Like okay. he he plays his same character like later and you see him die. So basically it's a cameo, but he's like going, I need my son to 
uh, I record this so my son sees what's happening and oh, kaiju are bad. But uh, Godzilla minus one is the best Godzilla movie that's been made ever. Um, the effects are amazing. Wow. They really sell a human story and it's ignoring all other. It's like a reboot. And it takes place in 1954, just like the original Godzilla movie. Oh, okay. So it has a um, failed kamikaze pilot who survives the war and has pretty serious guilt complex kind of thing. Um, And you're following him, and he encounters Godzilla before Godzilla gets really big. So at the very beginning of the movie, they're very smart. They show an attack on an isolated island during the war that the kamikaze pilots witnessed to. And they actually say, it's like the locals call this beast Godzilla. Um, and they can tell when he's nearby because all these deep sea fish start rising to the top of the ocean because he's stirring them up and eating them. And when Godzilla shows up, it is really well. I mean, the anime, the effects are amazing, but I was like, Oh, did they do a Kong in reverse? Because he's kind of tiny here. Like the guy gets in his plane, doesn't take off, but he's just using the guns of the plane on the ground. And I'm like, he's barely bigger than that guy in the plane. I was like, okay, interesting take. And he doesn't have the radiation breath at the beginning. So what, he's only like 10 feet tall or something? No, or? no, no. He's, he's, he's probably 40. He's probably like 40 feet or 50 feet tall, but okay. he's not Godzilla size. He's not like skyscraper size. Yeah. And then the whole thing is clearly the radiation, the atomic testing that happens after is what triggers his his uh size and the radiation breath and all that um and it's just awesome when he shows up like for real and walking into tokyo you're like oh now that's full godzilla so you saw him a little bit beforehand and then you see him after and he's it's just amazing you got something serious going down there and i guess so jonestown the you know jones (laughs) We don't call it that anymore. Uh, that was a bad PR choice. <laughs> but anyway, I those are the recommends. It it really is worth your time to see okay. it. Uh, the the reviews, if you haven't already seen them, people are falling over themselves loving Godzilla minus one. It Ooh. is so good, so, like a good let, movie. Let me ask you Godzilla this though. Yeah, we well, say okay. You say it's the best Godzilla movie ever. Yes. Is that really saying that much? Okay. <laughs> All right. Nostalgia is a powerful thing. I do still love classic goofy ass Godzilla, man in suit stuff. You know, I grew up with that in the 70s. But I'd say out of the entire history of Godzilla, there are two good movies. As in good films. One is the original. The original 1954 movie is an effective horror movie. It's really good. I mean, it's a little goofy and of course there are some shots where it's literally a a hand puppet but at the same time (laughs) it's stark and it's scary and it's you know the whole thing of black and white and they kill him at the end i mean they're like we got rid of him blah blah blah, haha um so that one works as a serious post-war uh horror film and it's great and this one which is kind of redoing that story to some degree is the other really good movie that also happens to have Godzilla. Okay. So there. Cool. Sorry I took so long. Those are my recommends. Cool. Back to Nicholas Holt. He'll be good. He better yeah. be bald. 
Yeah, uh, I I would be shocked. Uh, I really don't expect. Uh, you know, James James Gunn. He, he the only you you've complained about this, or at least expressed concern about this in previous shows. That really the only thing he does that's like kind of concerning is that his he tend tends to try to make, but not try. He does make certain characters goofy. He'll, he'll take his, them down. His, yes, his thing is not to all take them, he, not all of them, but he, <laughs> he likes to deflate a little bit of yeah. uh, of serious characters with comedy, and right. then he likes to take the goofy characters and give them weight. But yeah, so I'm worried a little bit. But he does seem. I mean, visually, he's most of the time he's pretty true to the comics yeah. at least if, if he diverges it seems like it's he also feels- is canny enough yeah. and smart enough that he no doubt going into this had his eyes wide open and is aware of everyone's complaints mm-hmm. about what's come before yes there are snyder bros who still think that we're being robbed of amazing superhero movies from Zack snyder and i'm like i'm good if he never comes back uh i'll watch his star wars ripoff I'll watch that on Netflix. I mean, he can film some amazingly awesome action stuff. I, I just don't like his story or character uh, ideas. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm sure he's looked at it and people like us have been whining about like, look, you can make these characters your own, but if you take them so far away from their source that they're not recognizable, then why are they that character? Just yeah. make up some guy. Uh, but now we've got him. We've got Maxwell Lord announced. Yeah, his Sean brother. Gunn. There yeah. you go. Gets his bro in there again. Um, I actually do think that 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 Sean uh, Gunn can can really act. Yeah, he does a lot of comedy and he's very good at it. But I think unless. It's the whole idea is to make a goofy Maxwell Lord. So there are people online pointing at his character choices and sitting there going like, oh, that means he's going to do a Justice League international like the 80s comic because keeping Blue Beetle, they're talking about a booster gold. You've got Guy Gardner, now Maxwell Lord. It's like, okay, all right. Is he building his version of the wacky team, the wacky Justice League? from the eighties. I'm going to keep doing this with my fingers. I'm not going to stop. It really seems like I was, I was going to say, um, seventies and eighties, just all the characters that he's choosing to, to put into this universe yeah. right off the bat feels very much like, like the Kurt Swan, um, John Byrne, uh, yeah. George Perez, uh, era of DC. I mean, he's our age. Uh, so I think that that was the stuff he was probably reading as he grew up. And, yes. and that's good Superman. It, it, if that's what's forming his take, I got no problem with it. And rumor is another internet rumor. Take it big grain of salt. But essentially, people are going, yeah, they are already all the art direction, all the art directors. I mean, they haven't built sets or anything yet, but they're like going all the production art around the offices is classic costume red trunks. And I'm like, <laughs> yep. Never have I been so focused on the character's crotch region than <laughs> I am when it comes to Superman. Anyway, yeah. uh, Henry Cavill would have rocked some red trunks. Again, no offense. Uh, speaking of crotch regions, I, uh, <laughs> I did. Go- 
I did, I did, I did finally go watch, or not go, I rented and watched, uh, or no, it was on Max. It was on uh, Max. The first, the first Aquaman film. Oh, um, oh, right. I, I thought you were about to go into Blue Beetle, and I was like, I know oh, you I, watched And that. I saw Blue Beetle as well. Yeah. Um, Aquaman, what'd you think? It was okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that is a, it, a it's, an aggressively okay movie. Yeah, it, it was, but I, I, I really saw, I mean, I already knew that I didn't really buy him as Aquaman anyway. Yeah. But he, it's. He's very likable. I mean, yeah. the thing is that I like Jason Momoa. And the guy is built like a superhero, but yeah. he's just not anyone's take on that character except for <laughs> James Wan, you know, and, and Zack Snyder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. So what was funny to me is that there was one scene that really kind of drove home the whole reason why it just doesn't work with him in that role. What and is it's that? that pivotal scene where he, he finds, you know, the whole, cause the whole movie is like a fetch quest basically. Uh, looks uh, like the next one's the same way too. It's like it really? the yeah. black trident. We have to get the, Oh, how many powerful tridents are yeah. there now? It's, 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 it's so reminded me of like the Indiana Jones, you know, fate of Atlantis story. Oh, sure. <laughs> it's a similar kind of, you know, let's go into this old get, ruin and find yeah. this artifact. And then they'll point us in this direction. I mean, Indiana Jones, it's, it's very similar. Yeah, but uh, so I don't mind that. A lot of people complain about that. Like, oh, this feels like a video game, and that's bad. Why? <laughs> it's not a real story. I appreciated I, the the color in it because it was that first movie after the. Because even Wonder Woman, which I enjoyed, Patty Jenkins Wonder Woman, even she kept the the palette kind of muted, a la Zack Snyder. Ver, yeah, you know, vision. James Wan was like, "No, I'm doing Aquaman, so it's going to be bright." It's, it was gorgeous. I mean, the film was gorgeous. Yeah, um, I mean, it has giant seahorses, and he's yeah. he's in the orange and green suit, and I'm like, "Oh, it was almost right. overwhelmingly gorgeous at times." Oh yeah. Here, here's the scene I was uh, talking about yeah. when he find he finally finds his mom. It's at that that last location they find where that there's that uh that huge kaiju monster. Yes. Crack, basically, there's like the Kraken. There's some yes. other name for it. Who's guarding the ancient the the ancient uh, king of uh, of Atlantis? I forget his name. Who has the trident? Uh, probably oh, yeah, trident. Atlan. Yeah, he's he just got the trident and the suit, and I was uh, that's where he gets a right, right. Obviously, so but anyway, he's supposed to go in there and face off against this monster, and his mom happens to be there, <laughs> and she says, now, "Arthur, if you're going in there, make sure you wear something warm." <laughs> but she says are you scared to him before he goes? And he goes, yeah. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> like, I'm not buying this at all. You're Actually, just it's the whole goddamn movie. He's like, yeah, come on. That's, that's true. Um, just, there was no, there was no subtlety or nuance in, in that character. That is true. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying that as an actor, he can't pull that off. Uh, but it is, interesting that you're right for the rest of the movie they're playing this guy i i keep saying a a bro he's not exactly a bro but you're right about the fact that nothing that he encounters in his life oh i'm part atlantean i can talk to fish i can breathe underwater he just rolls with it all like oh this is awesome Right. Oh, I mean, this is great. Now I'm leaping he, building to building. I got a hot red haired chick. All right. Yeah. I mean, his, whole character, yeah. <laughs> his whole character arc is like, I don't want to. 
And, yeah. and moving from that to, all right. <laughs> and it looks long. like this movie, again, the sequel, it's like they're doing the same beats because the whole thing of like a, a true king r- rules by blah, blah, blah. It's like, I guess I just don't know much about being a king. <laughs> Yeah, um, but we'll see. Uh, which is I, why you, you got it out of the way. Which, which is why I find it I, like, as I mentioned on the last show, I find it interesting that they're they're depicting um, Orm Ocean Master yeah. as looking very much like classic Aquaman. Yeah, yeah. Comics. Now he's it's a blonde like, cut dude, which I swear that has to be on purpose yeah that they're trying to interest people like us all right well you may know uh or i've either told you or john when we had john on he probably said the same thing i am the the nitpicky guy where it's like i want them to at least attempt to make them the character that we know from comics visually character wise the whole thing and um john you know, is very forgiving. He loves Aquaman, uh, the the first one, um, and and he was making fun of me because I was like, going, he's not blonde," and he goes, "Oh, dude, it's just like when I watch Titans and I complained. It's like uh, Dick Grayson has blue eyes." <laughs> I was like, "Okay, all right, all right, yeah, I get it, I get it. I'm that guy." But the whole thing with Arthur being blonde is actually part of the story. Yeah. Yeah. The whole idea that the blonde hair is this uh, like like chosen one, sign of the chosen one guy. I'm like, yeah, that is should be in there. That's actually part of the character. And they're like, eh. And maybe they're doing something with that, that Orm is now a blondie. I have no idea. Or he's um, just like going, since I've been in prison, I, I've been, you know working on the hair. Yeah. They uh, this, smuggle in some hair dye and bleaching it. This might look good on you, Arthur. I understand. Yeah. You might try this. Oh, except for our universe is going away after this. Yeah, right. I will say too. Uh, did you see uh, Shazam? Shazam? Did you Shazam? watch Shazam? I did see that. Did I see the second one? No, I didn't see the second one. I saw the first Me one. either. It's uh, it's on uh, Max. I might get around to watching it one of these days. Um, I was going to say Patrick Wilson, right? Is that the name of the guy? Yeah, Patrick Warren? Wilson. He was really good in that role. And to, to going back to Patrick just Wilson about how the, is just a really solid. Yeah, actor. but but also there was there, there seemed to be I don't know, maybe this is just an acting skill thing. Uh, maybe I don't know if it's a problem with the script or not, but hmm. there really was much more. Uh, it was just so 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 much more of a, 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 a complicated or or a compelling character than Arthur was in the film because yeah. he was a villain, but he's, he's not just a bad guy. You know, he's, yeah. he's, he's, uh, he's kind of like Loki in, in a sense. He's, right. he's the jealous uh, brother. Or if you're going to Marvel, it's, it's kind of in a way, Dr. Doomish in a way. I mean, Dr. Doom is a full on villain, but he's at the same time, he cares for his people of Latveria and he's a, he's a King. So he's gray area, you know, Magneto is also a gray area villain. I thought they handled that well in that movie. And as you say, because you have an actor who's that good and you have an interesting, uh, complicated character background that works. Arthur is sadly doesn't have the weight in that movie. It's just, no, exactly. Yeah, he's he's a hero that runs around being the hero 
And it doesn't seem until scenes like you mentioned where they're asking him to bring something else to it. And there's like, there's, there's not, that's not there. Yeah, he's just not so a he has just been enjoying yeah. this adventure. It's just like, I'm having a good time. I mean, even Indiana Jones, which you bring up, I mean, not that they're at all similar, but Indiana Jones, you see a toll taken on him when he's doing anything. You see him being tired and Arthur Curry and Aquaman is just running from one thing to the other going like, where do we go now? Yeah, exactly. He's like a cool. He's like he's like a character, or like like a you're you know the character you play in a video game. It's yeah. like he just gets endless power ups and yeah. he never has to Dude, sleep. I'm or, riding a whale. Yeah, <laughs> what the fuck is that? Awesome. That is awesome. But yeah, um, so you finally saw that, and, and I did uh, see Blue Beetle. Blue Beetle was, is I, fine and fun. I very much enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will say, I think Susan Sarandon's villain character was that sadly, was a very good note. That you said sadly you emailed me that yeah yeah very two dimensional I'm evil and because and, I'm evil <laughs> and this is no I don't know I think she wasn't on the same page with the movie to some degree. oh really well no I'm just uh, her performance in that I think that she went and going like comic book villain got it and you're like oh no comic book movies can be better. And she w- wasn't given the stuff. You're right on the page. Mm-hmm. But I think she just was like going, I will just be menacing. I'm just bad. And I'm sure that she's like going home to Tim Robbins. He's like going, oh, yeah, that shit's easy. I, I did Green Lantern. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's easy. You just be a bad person because <laughs> his performance in Green Lantern it was not great. Either. Oh, I forgot he was. In yeah, that. he was the bad guy. And again, it was like, um, well, he's the human bad guy before Parallax happens and the, all that. Right, stuff. right, right. Oy, boy, that movie. <laughs> but I did, I did, I did really like it. And uh, really, my only, I mean, that, that was my, probably my major complaint is that the villain was yeah, just kind you're of. Right. Kind the, of the, but, same problem uh, I had with Marvels. The Marvels was, was like, yeah. Um, when you get good actors, but you've given them two dimensional characters to play, they're going to do their best. But you know, the oh, motivation was- is just, I am evil and bad. Yeah. Yeah. This was the other thing too. I just remembered, uh, and this is a more on the nitpicky side, but Uh-oh. the, uh, Oh, I'm not ready to go. What's, to what's the name of the, the alien AI that that's become one. He's become one with, uh, has, uh has a- the scarab. Yeah, it has yeah. a name. Uh, Does you it? Remember what the name's? Yeah, he he oh. shouts it a couple of times. Oh, uh, K, K, like starts with a K. Anyway, I want to say Kaija Dune, but I know it's I not am right. letting you down because I don't remember it having a name at all. Well, they towards the end of the movie, they part of the the, the plot, you know, uh, twist at the end is that the AI stops him from yeah. from killing. Uh, What's his face? Uh, the made-up bad guy. Yeah, the guy who switches. I, actually, eyes if he's from the comics, I apologize for also not recognizing that villain. Well, and I, there was two problems I had with that. Number one, I, I didn't really like that that uh, Jaime Jaime himself didn't choose in the in that last minute. He's literally stopped by by the scarab. Like, no, we don't kill, which is something he'd said earlier. And so she's. Yeah. That by this point, they've but kind it of shows that it's a it's a partnership thing where he's sure, like, going, sure, sure. "You taught me this. Now I'm bringing it back." The problem I have with that is that they're 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 then kind of portraying uh, the scarab as 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 a, as 
something that shares a personality with him. Mm. And before that, it was really just portrayed as nothing more than like Siri in, in the suit. It didn't really have, it wasn't oh, really portrayed yeah, as being that's a person. that's true. Yeah, it didn't have Although an clearly, art. Right, it clearly we were trying, I think it would have been better if it did have some kind of, it was clear that it was a like some kind of, of identity instead of just a machine. Mm. Yeah. So I don't know. That that was something I think it was just missing in the way it was portrayed. Um, I don't know if that was a script problem or, or what. Well, I was just upset that um, even though they did shout outs to all the other Blue Beetles and Booster Gold, um, <laughs> there was no reference to the Scarab having been in ancient Egypt, where we know it was, and the wizard oh, Shazam okay. also was familiar with it. And uh, <laughs> the original uh, uh, Pharaoh that became a Hawkman was also there at the time and was aware of the Scarab. The whole thing in the, the, the comics, which was all retroactive DC continuity in the 80s, is that when they bought Blue Beetle and made him a DC character, they used the 1960s one, which is Ted Cord, uh, you know, with the bug ship, all that. That was their guy, and he became the main Blue Beetle. But they also included Dan Garrett, the original one, who did have powers. And his powers came from the Scarab. And the scarab didn't do the thing with like fusing to him, but it gave him power. And that scarab is something he found in Egypt on like a, I don't know, archaeology quest or something. So it gave him super strength and all this kind of stuff. And that was the original Boo Beetle, who they do talk about in the movie. They've got his suit in there. And they didn't um, allude to the fact that he was merged with the scarab, that Dan Garrett didn't have powers. Didn't they allude to that? Briefly? I think they did allude to that. Yeah, because they do go, oh, yeah, well, no, the first Blue Beetle had was an actual superhero. The second guy, he didn't have anything. He was just a really smart dude. That was Ted Cord. Yeah. And supposedly um, Susan Sarandon is uh, is the original sister. Is that it? What was her yeah, character name? Garrett or? or uh, oh, no, Cord. I think she was supposed to be Ted Cord's sister. Okay, Ted Cord's sister. Yeah. But I, I did love all that stuff at the end where it's like, hey, can you hear me? Hey, yeah, uh, yeah bah, bah, I'm trapped. Bah, 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 bah. Oh, and man. I, I like the whole his whole layer, which is very, you know, 80s. And oh. just they deliberately made it look really silly and cheesy, which is like, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's totally yeah. cool. And I like uh, some people really didn't like George Lopez having so much room to be, you know, George Lopez or being this character. And I just thought they used him very, very well. It's like Jaime gets to be the wide-eyed kid, but making the uncle guy this sort of natural mechanical genius and, you know, conspiracy theorist guy who's like, uh, you know, making all of his quips about Batman or this or that. It worked for me. I thought yeah, that guy's he, great. And he actually knows his shit, which I thought was an interesting he, he's twist the one on the who gets the like, bug ship. Uh, and the bug yeah. ship just, it looked great. It was cool. This is another thing on the nitpicky side. Yeah, it did. There's another nitpicky thing. Really, it's not that big of a deal, but they, the way they included his entire family in, in the, yeah. in the superheroics. Yeah. I, it's it was a little huge, cheesy. I, it was a little cluttered, I thought. It's like, yeah. can we just concentrate? Maybe just him and his uncle, you know, but, over there. But, you know, you're going to miss the big laughs of grandma with the enormous gun. Yeah. yeah. And then, like, going, like, man, you don't even know what she got up to when she was, like, a revolutionary, you know, right, lady right. in her 20s. And you're like, damn, grandma, damn. <laughs> I mean, 
it is cheesy, but the whole family thread was the whole point of it. So right. it and they didn't go really that they didn't go too far with it. You know, no. it was, it was like, okay, okay. I'm, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. So I enjoyed it. Uh, and I, I have no problem with that still being in the DC. Yeah. I, so I, after seeing, it, I was like, okay, now I get why James Gunn hasn't, you know, and to that, down. I say, bring on the creature commandos. Anyway, <laughs> um, so uh, let's move on to Doctor Who. Okay. I'm watching the clock and I'm like going, I yeah. have about <laughs> spent 45 this, minutes this getting caught up on things yeah. that people are sick of hearing about. Yeah. <laughs> Can sorry, you please bro. stop talking about Aquaman, please? Sorry. No, <laughs> I won't. I won't. So the three specials have all aired. Did you enjoy yeah. the three specials? I did. I did, okay. but I have notes, as your brother would say. <laughs> Not literally. I didn't write them down. But Oh, yeah. okay. There's a lot um, to say. There's a lot to this, say. This the first one was a refreshing return of David Tennant and Donna. And RTD. Yeah. And very RTD, much Russell Davies script. Very much a, a Russell T. Davies script. Did you ever read his book that he did that was about his, uh, like a writer's journal or whatever it was it was he basically took his because he journals uh he took his diaries from when he first came on to doctor who and did an entire book he cleaned it up a little bit to make it more you know readable but it's really refreshing behind the scenes stuff where he's talking about the struggle of doing doctor who the awesomeness of doing it all that stuff and it it had a sequel. I think he put out a second one on the same thing. Highly recommended. He's very funny, obviously incredibly smart guy. And you can't doubt the man is a huge Dr. Who nerd. So yeah. that, that first special would bring back tenant as uh, the 14th doctor um, and him going, I don't know what this is about. And Hey Donna, Oh, let's have an adventure. And Donna's uh, trans daughter, I will say that Russell T. Davies is never subtle. But then again, <laughs> but then again, Doctor Who isn't it's never meant to be. Just like with Star Trek, if it's yeah. going to be about a societal issue or something like that, a historical thing, um, it's going to just barely code it in sci-fi and go, Are you getting the point? <laughs> I mean, the idea that the original Star Trek had the half black, half white aliens. That's about as subtle as Russell T. Davies is being. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. the star beast, when the first one, that's actually based on a comic and a comic. Yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting, but it was like at the same time, it's like, guys, you only had three specials here with David Tennant and you chose to do one as an, you know, to adapt this old comic instead of actually writing a story. Well, and it, it seems to me like, and I, it's, you know, it's, it's fine and it's, it's, it's cool, but it's, uh, it seems to me like the main, the really the main story was the last one, uh, was the toy maker. And, well, which, I will say that's up every, pretty much all the consequences of the special happened in that. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that the first one, the reason I think adapting star beast was acceptable is that the story itself is pretty slight uh, yeah. Not bad, but the whole idea of like, oh, the cute, helpless E.T. like alien is actually the bad guy thing, which is that's that's pretty goofy. But what it did allow is it's a solid enough sci fi premise. But essentially, that first special is just about Doctor and Donna. 
and yeah, true, and true, true, true. therefore you're like going okay it's a character piece and really the alien stuff in the background doesn't matter That's it's true. just about yeah. that and i'm like i have no problem with them reconnecting and the there was at least the the hint of stakes because she can't remember me if she does all mm-hmm. the that stuff will melt her brain and all that and she survives because she had shared that with her child and her right, child right. you know it's all great that, that works yeah my only because uh, that yeah it would, it would have been cool to don't see be a I, grinch man don't be a grinch it was I, my, my, my blanket critique and this is really more of a nitpick is that it would have been nice if if these three things had been one continuous yeah it's true we got three of, stories yeah and they, they do kind of hint that the the toy maker at the end that he's been fucking with the, the, the situation the whole time, but it's, yeah. it's not and really immediately the start obvious. These things okay. set something up, whether, whether Davies is going to actually, because she, she says, she says, yeah, it's yeah, like, Oh lost. no. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm making it my, you're not done with me yet. I'm going right, to right. make it my mission to destroy you and all that. But so, the way, the way that uh, Rose and Donna shook off the, the meta crisis. Yeah. I love that term was so, uh, perfunctory and it just it seemed <laughs> well, it was basically like the wizard of oz like you could have yeah. done this you could have gone home the whole time that's you could true have shook it off the, the whole time and, and that was a little too easy and this, this was funny too and I, I hate to go here but I, i've 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 seen other people who identify as either, oh are you about uh, to get us fluid. canceled are you about to get <laughs> us canceled this 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 line seemed to puzzle almost everybody no matter what side of this you're coming from but what when they that? say oh if you were presenting you know if you were still presenting as a woman then you would have understood this then like Wait a minute. Yeah. Okay. Doesn't that doesn't that defeat the whole purpose of gender fluidity if you're going to say that that my doctor, main problem with doctor that- is smarter when he's a woman when he's a man he's a dumbass. <laughs> I mean, what are you? What the hell is the point of that? I, so. I, that that I think my main problem with that wasn't necessarily the thought behind it. It was just a dumb writer choice. Yeah. Like in other words, I thought he was handling a lot of it with some grace mm-hmm. um, and. And just everything being up front, everything being up front, still seeing that there's uh, consequences that that society is still like she she's being bullied still. And that's horrible and all that. And there's that scene with the Donna and her mother and they are totally supportive. But you have the mother going, oh, I still make mistakes. And she's like, look, that's going to it's going to happen. So Mm -hmm. some of that stuff was really nicely handled. I can't speak to how it how it sounds or how it feels to trans people. But I will say that line, uh, there were a couple lines. I was like going RTD. That is so on the nose. Or right. So, you know, it's like, mm, don't, don't do the thing about that. But, but the whole thing of, of where they have the toy maker go, he goes, but it's not, everything's not binary. And I'm like, I think we're getting our themes. Mm-hmm. RTD is doing his themes. And not only is this going to be our first, you know, black doctor, I have a feeling that he's probably going to be presented as somewhat by, and they were making those references too, uh, with Donna going like, you were a woman. And she, and he's like, yeah, I was for a bit. Yeah. And then the, I don't remember if it was the first and second one. It was like, maybe the second one was like, Oh, you thought that guy was handsome. And she goes, yeah, goes Oh, and, is that what I am now? Yeah. Yeah. And and he's like, Is that me? And Don's like going, I always saw it. Yeah, I always yeah. saw it. Like, <laughs> okay. 
But, you know, the doctor to me is an asexual character regardless. Well, he's never been overtly sexual anyway. No. There were, obviously, there was, there were romantic, there was romantic tension between him and Rose and the, uh, well, the what first blew me away seasons. about the third one, which I didn't have it spoiled. In other words, I knew that we were getting the new doctor. I didn't know about the by generation or whatever they call it uh, of him still existing. I'm like, so David Tennant's doctor is the most specialist of all because he already has a doppelganger duplicate in a separate dimension, bedding down Rose. Right. And I'm like, and now he's himself free to just hang out as David Tennant doctor for the rest of time. And meanwhile, Dr. Prime is going to keep regenerating and all that. I'm like, okay. Okay. Here, let's back up to, uh, Oh shit. Here we go. The second one. I guess. Yeah. The second one, uh, I guess we kind of, we summed up the second one one as a, as a standalone doctor episode. It's great. Yeah. And again, I only have one nitpick with it. Oh. I think you know which one. I think you know what it is. I, I not till you yeah. say it. What is it? it? That little, the little vignette in the beginning where they they bump into Isaac Newton and the oh. whole gravity mavity oh. thing. Oh yeah, which went nowhere. I thought, okay, surely this has something to do with things going awry. No, later. it was it no, was a uh, for they, a joke. Just hoping, yeah. It was for a joke. So the rest of the if episode they, they history say mavity. And, so does history just kind of shake that out? You know, it's like it goes back to gravity at some point. Maybe for but the we, rest of the RTD run, people keep saying Mavity. Uh, I hope the doctor I kind of himself do remembers gravity because he says it later. He says it for a second. I'm sorry. I mean Mavity. Yeah, I'm sorry. I mean Mavity. <laughs> I, so I, I kind of hope that goes somewhere. I hope that that's just not a dumb joke it's because dumb that's, joke. I hate it because if it were not meant – if. That's one of those things where, as as a fan, it's like, okay, if I'm not meant to take that seriously, you know, if, if this, because logically that would be an issue, <laughs> you would not be able to avoid. <laughs> if I'm not meant to take this seriously, why am I supposed to take anything seriously in these stories? Oh, that type of stuff. I think you have to shake that off a little me. because it's Doctor Who, and Doctor Who has literally gone back and met with ridiculously British, like Julius Caesars, and it's like, you know, I mean. It, that's the whole thing is like, oh, I'm uh, who are you? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm Teddy Roosevelt. I mean, it's just that's Doctor Who. Uh, and yeah. they'll do they've done lots of dumb little jokes, one off. Yeah, but things. I will say as opposed to Star Trek and Star Wars, who are both terrible with canon. Doctor Who has actually been surprisingly true. Oh, uh, no. Shockingly true to canon. Oh, I can't, I can't go with you there. You don't think so? No, to me, the entire concept of Dr. Who, which of course is the brilliant thing about it is because it can continue and continue. He can become different people. It's a show that will never really have to end. It is impossible for Canon, especially a time and space traveler. And you're sitting there going like people have attempted to make, you know, like chronological maps and graphs of, of where doctors have crossed. And it's like, well, a couple of doctors have probably met Julius Caesar, but they, he acted different both times. And it's like, yeah, I don't think after all these decades, you can say that they stick really closely to Canon, but they, they, the smart and good writers uh, try to keep it in their head, this or that, like that third one, with the toy maker 
I'm like, what a great idea of bringing that character back. And that character, I've seen that episode, um, or at least the parts that survived. Yeah, uh, it's the, it's the mostly lost, doctor. right? It's yeah. mostly lost, but there's some of it. And and Michael Goff, uh, our future movie Alfred, uh, was the toy maker originally. So, yeah, oh. Michael Keaton's Alfred is okay. the guy. And Michael Goff, great British character actor. Also, uh, I don't know about his private life, but let's just say um, gay presenting uh, and then having Neil Patrick Harris be the guy taking over. I'm like, OK, this is all pretty perfect. But, yeah, I mean, stuff like that I love because that is a callback, just like whenever they brought the master back and they mentioned the master in the third one. It's all just like, yeah, guys, you can trust that they're not sleeping on canon. But I don't think they feel bound to it because they have no. a, a cartoon character that can, I mean, an awesome cartoon character that can bounce through time and space. Right. But but typically they, yeah, they have had to change some things to to make it at least so they can actually do something with the story. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's, it is still remar- remarkably, uh, the integrity of, of the, uh, of the franchise, I think is, I mean, Archie, all, all the show, I, I, well, I wasn't a fan of Chibnall and his run. Uh, I stopped I wanted watching to, it. But, yeah, I wanted to they're still like the, the fact that they are going back and plucking these, these, uh, you know, bringing back these really old villains from the very first series or like when they had the, the first doctor, uh, meet with the Peter Capaldi's doctor yeah. the, toward the end of his run. I yes. thought that was wonderful. Because again, um, having I don't know. having a modern day actor that can so closely mm-hmm. look and act like the first Doctor. That, of course, did you see the Adventures in Time and Space the the movie yes. they made about the making of Doctor Who? And I think that so, guy yeah. played. Yeah. Yes. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The documentary, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Not, Not the, the documentary. documentary. Sorry, the biopic yeah. about him. Yeah. Right, and that's yeah. basically why they're like, "Oh shit! If we ever need First Doctor, we can just yeah, pull him in, and here he is." And that was so great. Yeah. Um. One of the things I loved in the third, and I know we are bouncing around. I, you're. I yeah. mean, I'm. I'm not. You're upset, or your nitpick is, uh, noted. It didn't bother me. It bothered me in the fact, similar to you, of like, is this going? to run through the whole series or was that a one-off because I agree if it was just this one-off goofy joke, then eh, it didn't land that (laughs) well. Uh, And it's like, okay, but they have done things like that in the past where there is something stupid like that. And eventually one of the characters goes, Hey, wait a minute. Maybe it will, you know? So, and he, cause the bad wolf thing probably mapped off. Yes, that's right. And he's probably mapped out, you know, at least his first series. So I'm sitting there going, yeah, who knows? Three episodes in to the new doctor, someone might be saying Mavity and he's like going, I need to fix that or something. It'll do a callback or what have you. Cause it would have been, it, it would have actually made sense. Uh, had they done this, if, if the toy maker being him being from another dimension outside of space and time, apparently if he had gone, Oh, don't you mean gravity? Hmm? Mm-hmm. Seems you, like you messed something up here. I love the way it just hung on you. You're like going, <laughs> like, come on. The third episode comes out. You're like going, is no one going to address this? Well, that, that was a stinger of the episode. That's when the, that's what took them into the theme song. It's like, Oh, this is, this is an important moment for the show. Nope. Just dumb joke. Dumb we'll joke. You're right. You're right. And I, I will say that 
uh, RTD, uh, remembering his run, which is, you know, it's great stuff. Moffat was, a, was great as well. Uh, mm-hmm. but RTD is very playful and, yeah. but when he wants to deliver, like in that second one, what I think works really about that dumb joke is that he knows he's about to give you a pretty eerie, upsetting, strange episode. So it's almost like he's got going, here's a little breather, a little (laughs) goofy joke, and then now some weird-ass, disturbing nonsense. And you're like, okay, all right. That's Um, good stuff. Before we move on to the Mm -hmm. the past the second, I'll I'll mention, I'm just going to kind of guess one of our patron supporters, Emily, also also Blaggart's fan. She was looking forward to us talking about this, but she – she said that there was something she observed about the second episode that she was wondering if we saw. She didn't say what oh. it was. She just wants to see if we say it. Oh, I'm just going to guess that there are, there have, maybe it was the Isaac Newton thing. I don't know. Maybe it is, but, but uh, there have been a lot of other stories and that this has been pointing out, pointed out in other reviews I've, I've watched on, on YouTube that uh, there've been a lot of villains in Dr. Who, who do the imitation thing where they're there. Mm. There was that one, I forget it was, uh, I forget what it's called where, where, David Tennant's doctor was uh, trapped on this lunar bus with some other people. And there was yes. an, an invisible entity that was possessing them and, yes. and imitating everybody. Yes. There was that one. And, there, and it happened at least one or two other times too. That, I think it's a real, I mean, it's not even just trope. sci-fi trope. It, I mean, yeah. that is really common in any kind of fantasy or, or even like comic book stuff, because especially when you have, in that case, you know, it was all these other new characters, but you know, it's true of Superman. It's like Bizarro comes along just because it's everyone knows the, the character so well of Superman. Let's play with that. So you have Bizarro. You also have Ultraman, who is the evil Superman kind of duplicate from earth three. It's anytime you can do a mirror image thing or have someone go, no, 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 I am him. Don't kill me. I'm the yeah. real one. That's or the thing. That kind right. of like paranoia thing of like, do you really know them? So them asking each other questions, you know, the whole thing of like, uh, where were you born? Well, Ipswich right. or whatever it was. And blah, blah, blah. yeah, the, the, the thing I was just remembering now is that uh, the Electro Woman and Diner Girl episode <laughs> yes. with Spider Lady, where she turns into a doppelganger. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing makes me prouder. Wow. Yeah. Nothing makes me prouder than you in 2023 <laughs> making reference to an episode of Electoral Men and Dining. Oh, anyway. my job here is done. <laughs> oh, do you hear what happened to Brendan? He just died. <laughs> <laughs> okay. To back up and re- restate. Yes. Uh, they do. It is a, is a, very old sci-fi trope that they handle very well. Yes. And especially in the scene where you slowly, or I should say suddenly realize that what you're seeing is actually happening in real time and not like in two different right. times. Yes. Yeah. You, Cause they're doing um, the cross cutting between them in separate yeah. rooms and they're each talking to the other one. Uh, yeah. I dug it. And again, when you see the actors who are then playing the evil versions, that must be fun for them. It's fun for the audience too, where it's like, Oh, I'll never look at them in the same way again. But it's sort of the tenant doing like the dropped head and like, oh, we know everything about you now. And mm-hmm. and Catherine Tate doing evil Donna. It's like, oh, that's creepy. Yeah. 
I got to say, I love her. Yeah. She's just great. They were both so fantastic in this. Yeah, and and apparently Davey said the whole thought occurred to him if he was coming back, and it was like, I just want to put those two guys back on screen together because their chemistry is great, because they are in real life like besties, and and it's Mm. just nothing better. She's, in my mind, not the most iconic of the companions, but she had some of the great storylines and loved them. Yeah. But, uh, and by the way, in the third one, one of the most effective things and Neil Patrick Harris is having the time of his fucking life yes. in that thing. But that, that thing where he's, uh, he did the puppet show about the companions. He's like, and Oh my God, that is one of the best doctor who things ever. Oh, it's because so good. he's like going, Oh, and then she came along and Oh, we met it. Then she died because of this. And he's like going, She's still okay. Her spirit is always like, oh, then it's no, okay no, then. <laughs> didn't, oh, didn't, then you, okay. didn't that remind you of Charles Nelson Riley a little bit? Like, like if 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 Charles had been playing that part, which he would have done well, and if he was oh, yeah, just absolutely, acting, just absolutely. acting and, and not just being yang yang, yeah, yeah, that there was that just hit me. Now I was like, wow, that was very much like. I think Charles Nelson Riley had he been. It's just I don't think anyone ever. Got the idea to stunt cast him as like evil, but I bet he could have done a, a very menacing kind of character. Yeah, because um, anyway. he had the chops. Yeah, no, it's it is a thing that I mean, Davies probably I don't know if he thought of the casting before he may have just like I want to put Neil Patrick Harris in there somewhere, and then he thought of the toy maker, or if it was toy maker, and they're like, oh, I know who should do it. Neil yeah. Patrick Harris. Well, he it doesn't matter. It's just such a natural fit. And he's like, cause you're going to be able to do all of it. You'll be able to do the theatricality. Yeah. You'll be able to do all these accents and you can play with them. You can dance and sing in this. You can juggle and do your magic tricks. Cause I mean, Neil Patrick Harris is a huge magician nerd. So he's doing all that himself. And I'm like, he even threw in, Captain Spaulding's dance oh, in that yes. scene. Did you catch that? Yes, I did. I, I wound it back. I was like, did he really just do that? He yes, he did. He really did it. And I caught it, it so too. good. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. I, I think that was ideal. And I, I can see people online going, man, that was over the top or whatever. Am I like going? That's the whole point. That's the whole point. The toy maker as a character, again, I'm talking about Superman, I was sitting there going, he's just Mr. Mixia's pit- Pitlick in yes, a way. Yes, I was waiting for um, you to mention that. <laughs> Mr. Mixias Pitlick, but of course there's also Toy Man, the Superman villain, but he's not magically powered. But what as is, a character, he's definitely Mr. Mixias Pitlick. You know what it, it, it just made me think of now is that run in DC Comics where M- Mixias Pitlick uh, gives Joker the power of, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. of God, basically. Yeah. I think that was the Emperor Joker storyline. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty crazy stuff. <sighs> yeah. But uh, yeah, God, he was he was so good. And I'm glad he's not dead. That he's just banished. Very, very similar. Oh, of course. Mi- yeah. But what's funny is that, I mean, because they're never shy about bringing back, okay, here are the Cybermen again. Here are the Daleks. Here's <laughs> yes. the Master. I'm like, yeah. why has no one ever thought to bring back the Toy Maker? Yeah. Until now. This is only his second appearance, as far as I know. Yeah. And I, I much prefer him. I'm, I'm kind of tired of the Master now. <laughs> like, Missy well, was a great, you can overuse a great turn on, on the master. I thought I think she was my favorite of the new masters. I think I, Oh, kind and of. now I'm blanking on her name. She has like a Spanish last name. She 
is brilliant. I have a huge crush on her as well. She is one of the funniest British character actresses around. There was a, a sitcom called Green Wing from the early 2000s, uh, like a, a hospital set British sitcom. Um, very surreally odd. And she's like the human resources uh, woman in charge. And her character is so bizarre that everything when she shows up is a weird non sequitur and the way she plays it off is so great i love her and i thought she was great as a master but it is true it's like we can do a batman movie without the joker every now and then and uh maybe we should also not always have the master pop up yeah but her i would say her arc in that and peter capaldi's run the way that went around in a circle I can't remember exactly what happened, but I just remember when it got back around to, oh, this is when that happened that we saw before. Like, that is so good. So um, is that her hand? <laughs> is that her hand picking up the gold tooth in? Uh, That's in, what I thought. You yeah. Know? Because he goes, even the master, I, I, I got it right here in my gold tooth. Yep. Because they, and this is one, this is like, let's go ahead and jump to the end now. Cause I know that's what oh, yeah, he really wants to talk about is the bi-generation. Uh, well, no, the, I mean, we talked about the whole episode. I thought it was great. And I thought yeah. um, Unit, always happy to see Unit. And, of course, I love those callbacks, too, where he goes up to, um, what's her name? Karen uh, Lethbridge. Or the, not Karen. The, uh, Kate. 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 Yes, it's Kate. Kate. Yeah. yeah, she's the daughter of the Brigadier. The Brigadier. So yes, yeah. I just love that through line. And I love yeah. the way he goes, like, look at you, still running Unit. And it's like, ah, oh, your dad used to try to keep this thing secret. And now look at you. You've got your own big building and all this. It's great. That was a really nice beat, too, where she he they take him. He lands on the Stark Tower uh, landing <laughs> yeah. pad. The and Avengers. She comes storming out towards him. And you think, ooh, she's mad. And, and just, you think, is she going to sock him? No, she just gives hugs. him a big old hug. Like, oh, that was good. And then they've set up the the head scientist unit lady. I like her a lot. I, I didn't know she existed as an actor. But then again, I don't watch every British show. But I did recently watch The Cleaner starring um, Craig Davies, though he always pronounces it Davis. It's spelled Davies, but he always goes Greg right. Greg Davis and I'm like right. that's probably apparently true with Ray Davis from uh, the Kinks yeah and, and he's hilarious uh, and he wrote and stars in two seasons meaning like six episodes it's not a lot of episodes of this show a sitcom about a um, crime scene cleaner and in one of the episodes uh, he meets this woman in a wheelchair who gives him total shit and he gives her total shit. And it's very funny. And then they end up liking each other, but not romantically, but just sort of like, all right, yeah, you're okay. And it's a really great performance. She stuck in my mind. I'm like, oh, that that's someone to watch. Very funny actor. And then she's in this in first episode. I was like, oh, good for you. Now you're in unit. And I love the thing where they're going, when they take Kate's thing off uh, or they're like, and she's starting to get, hostile and she's like going and she's in a wheelchair but i've seen her walk she can walk it's like yeah the actress can which threw some people off she has spina bifida but she can Mm -hmm. get out of the chair she needs the chair right but yeah i saw people online going oh this is what kind of woke ableism is this because they used a clip where she uh crossed her legs still sitting in the wheelchair and they're like oh you should get an actual person with a disability i'm like she does have a disability idiots yeah I, <laughs> these I people are idiots anyway so i love all that 
I thought the giggle thing was genius as far mm-hmm. as just like a hook. It very much reminded me of, uh, I guess, the Weeping Angels. Is it the first Weeping Angels episode where it's it's um, Martha Jones and David Tennant's the Tenth Doctor discover this cassette tape that he's recorded. Oh yes, they're kind of doing forty the, years in the past. Yeah, yeah, and then it winds back around. At, I God. Oof. And all the all the Weeping Angel stuff that Moffat did with uh with Matt Smith was great as well. Yep. Because they were they were a huge part of that whole thing. In fact, by the way, let me throw this in there before I forget. Last time we were talking about Doctor Who, I mentioned RT Davies as being the fairy tale guy. It's really Moffat who's more the fairy tale guy. They're both huh. fanciful. Yeah. But Moffat is the one who took because Matt Smith's doctor was essentially like Peter Pan. Yes. Know? Yep. Yep. And he really leaned into that and it was kind of nice i think the way I, I i dug his approach to the whole character i did something. too so anyway and and just some some of the best stuff matt smith i mean i hate doing doctor ranking because it it uh, it's it's impossible he was great he was I, great tenant is probably my favorite of all time then probably and, tom baker and then maybe matt yeah. smith and speaking of which day of the doctor which has all of these guys in the same i know episode. i know so I good know. but um so uh so yes toy maker great concept and good lord does doogie hauser bring it <laughs> um all the stuff where he's just playing through the accents, that opening yes. scene and where he's like going, yes, well, I'm sorry about the rain. Couldn't help that. And he's like, um, your accent is slipping. He's yeah. like, oh, yes. sorry, is it? Oh no. It's I, I love that they immediately and, point that out. Like, no, his accent's supposed to be a joke. Like, yeah. you know, and then he's like, going, Oh, it. you like the little choo-choo trains with the whooshy and the coo-choo-choo. You like this with the little puppet. And, the... and when he gets in the, the cannon, he's in that, particle beam cannon thing at the end he's like going i like the lasers with the zooping and the <laughs> yes. great yeah um so that's all brilliant donna being able to show off and being and and having kate lethbridge stewart going like if you ever need a job you could join unit yeah I'm like that's that, awesome that was a great little scene yeah so obviously we're going to see her her again I hope so. And David Tennant. I mean, uh, from time to time, I'm sure. Well, and okay, let's get into this because did you have any idea? Did you have any idea that that was how this this episode was going? I had no idea. No, I I mean, I I knew it set up the new Doctor, and I I did have a spoiler. Not not a spoiler about the bi generation thing, but a spoiler where someone online was like. Again, slamming it for like, oh boy, here we go, woke doctor time. Uh, they had a clip of our new doctor at the end, I guess, doing kind of a dancing thing around because he is, he seems pretty musical. He has a jukebox in his TARDIS now. And, and he also did that singing thing. He's like, yes. And I'm like, okay. But so they included a clip of that. And they're like going, yeah, we know where we're going with this. Oh boy, here we go. Oh. They really, there's been a lot of beats in these three series or these three uh, episodes where they're like kind of shooing away the anti woke crowd. Like, just, one thing, another thing I love, you're not going to be happy here. Another thing I love about uh, Davies in, in the third episode is, I mean, he he takes swipes. I mean, yeah. the whole thing about what the giggle was doing to people, Huge. and it basically becomes people disregarding every other person's opinion or their rights or their whatever becoming self-absorbed know-it-all assholes and i'm like going yeah 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, like they cut to the politician guy going, do you think I even care? Right. I don't give a shit about any of you. And yeah. then Donald's like going, well, nothing's changed there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so he's working stuff in at the same time he's giving you your sci-fi adventure story. And it, it was great. When, when the, the, uh, the toy maker just shoots him, you know, straight through the chest. And I'm like, yeah, and I was looking at my, at the time, like already, like, and, and, but also before that, I was thinking in that scene, especially that scene where, uh, where David Tennant's the doctor figures out, sorts out what's happening. That scene you're just talking about where he yeah. says, Oh, this is what's going on. Uh, and, and I'm thinking of God, he's so good at this. He's oh. so good at playing this character. Why, you know, it was in my, in my head, I'm thinking, why can't, can't we just have this? You know, can't we, why, you know, why can't, it would have been so cool. If, well, you know, why basically. And then, and, then he, and then he doesn't leave. I'm like, oh. it's a compromise. In, in yeah, other words, yeah. they're allowing him since he's still a relatively young man um, who will no doubt be making films and TV shows for a good while. But they've given him a door where if he wants and there's a good story, they can just bring him back because he's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And he loves the character and people love him as the character. It is very shaky idea i think if somebody had just told me about this before i would have been like what? yeah me too you know but the fact that it's rt davies or it's, R- it's rtd it's russell t davies who's doing it uh, i trust him yeah because he, he had a you know he yeah he has his goofy episodes here and there you know you've got your little fat aliens yes yes i can't remember what they were called the adipose, yes the adipose oh adipose that's right the, all that goofy stuff and there was a lot of goofy stuff in the very first so that one too. is disturbing as well, um, but goofy. All yes. the all the crazy, like going to the end of the universe in the very first episode with a Christopher. Eccles, there was there's always been goofy ass shit. The mannequins. Yep. So it's fine. I I I, I dig what he does. So I I, I have faith that he's going to take this in a, in a in a good direction. Well, he's and, not. Uh, I mean, obviously, th- we're it, not going to be seeing David Tennant every week. No, nor I, should it, we. That would, that would be weird. And it would also not be. Uh, justified and and it would be really not fair to our new doctor who i mean he's bright and lively uh i i wanted someone to make a joke about pants i was sitting there going come on someone Nobody even mentioned it yeah no one even mentioned it. i really thought that like tenant's last words to his other self would be like go have fun and get some pants or something. I was like, come mention the fact that they both yeah. half of the clothes why, why and do the you new get the doctor pants? gets yeah. the shirt and the tie, yeah. but no pants. And the other, because <laughs> it was kind of clever. Cause the whole, the whole previous two episodes, I'm looking at this new clothes, these, these new clothes he's wearing and seeing that some of them don't really fit so well. Like mm-hmm. there's a shirt that's kind of tight underneath. And then that splits off to the, to the new doctor. I, I did like the whole thing of, I mean, again, Davies is, He's a very good writer. And the whole thing of of constantly underlining through all three episodes, it wasn't just about uh, representat- queer representation, but the whole thing of things aren't necessarily binary. But then you have him being split in two in the third one, and you're like going, oh, that's great, too, because it's a sort of counterpoint to what they were talking about. I love that whole concept. And I also like them bring back Mel. I mean, that is a, that that's a run of doctors that I'm still very iffy on. I've seen a few episodes of the Colin Baker. Is that his name? Yes. And I think so. Other Um, guy. 
those two doctors, like the eighties doctors, I'm like, mm, I don't really, I yeah, didn't yeah, spend yeah. too much time with them, but I at least knew about that companion, bring her back. Awesome. And she had a purpose in the she uh, had episode, a but also the, was- the, the idea that the companions know him better than most. And Donna now knows him better than any of them simply because she basically had all his memories in his head, her head. So her going like, don't you get it? You've never stopped. That's mm-hmm. the whole thing is that you don't even know who you are because you've always gone from one thing to another thing to another thing. Mm-hmm. So in a weird way, they have created that bifurcation where there's a doctor that can now live life and stop and retire. But the part of him that's still the youthful adventurer now has a he's, new face and he's got his own TARDIS and, and he's it, good. And he he's doesn't good. need any therapy. Apparently. I look forward to seeing what he looks like. Yeah. What, what clothes is, well, he's wear? Well, is there? Maybe he just never puts on pants. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I that's know. always a big thing whenever they reveal the new look. Yeah, and I also good. think it's great that each of the actors has kind of been able to, they're like, what do you want your doctor to look like? And they go into the costume shop and go crazy. Well, and here's one thing that I think that they, I don't think they mess this up. I just think there probably were some lines of dialogue that were cut as my guess, hmm. because one of the curious things when David Tennant first reappeared, when, when uh, Jody Whittaker's doctor regenerates back into David Tennant and he's like, what? He goes through the series of what, like realizing, wait a minute, I recognize these teeth and he feels his face. He's like, what? He looks at his hands and then he looks at his clothes and goes, what? Because yeah. he's never, he never, the regeneration never changes clothes. It's the first time that happened. Uh, yeah. Because usually when he changes, he's still wearing the clothes of the previous doctor. Yeah. This time he's wearing a whole new outfit. They never explain that, and they don't. But it does tie into when he splits um, into him and, and Shuti Gatwa's doctor. Their clothes. How do you pronounce his the name? Same Shuti. I'm Shuti. pretty sure that I've seen. I've seen enough people say it now. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. I heard Judy Judy before, but I think that was just a mispronunciation of Shuti. Judy Judy anyway, So they're they're all. <laughs> All the clothes that are on both doctors, D- David Tennant's wearing all the clothes for both characters. At the end. Uh-huh. There's only one pair of pants and one, you know, one tie. Right. So, uh, well, apparently- I mean, in previous incarnations, we've seen literally there's a box on the TARDIS of of clothing, and and uh, so yeah, generally speaking, where the clothes come from is just probably he got his old face, went back in the TARDIS, and was like, hold on, this is what I like wearing. Boom, well, and I think, yeah, yeah. And that we didn't get that this time for, for a reason. Yeah, we I didn't think see the reason is that because they, they allude to the fact that the toy maker has been screwing with the timeline for a while or the time or, or just science in a way he's been messing with, with, he implanted with, uh, his signal so in I, the original television image. Yeah, I think, but also they use his magic to create the second TARDIS too. And so it's heavily implied and not stated. I, they really could have had a couple lines of dialogue, at least to make this clear. Cause I think this was the whole point. That the, the the toy maker is the reason why there's two doctors now. Oh. Why he why he regenerated with clothes on? The, all these weird well, things. That happened. I mean, uh, why he was David Tennant again? But that I, would mean that the was the toy maker in, responsible for the myth of bi generation because the Time Lords know of that. They but they said it's I mean, never I mean, happened. Wibbly wobbly. Yeah, he, he they're like going. It's never happened before. But one thing did bug me. This is one nitpick I had is that it was funny. But you've got Tennant's doctor standing there watching the TARDIS go away. He goes, oh, I've never seen it from out here. 
And I'm like, you've seen the TARDIS disappear a million times. Like you stood outside your own TARDIS and seen it go away. It's not something you haven't seen. You've never seen yourself get in a TARDIS and go away, I guess. But even that you probably have because he he's met, just a, he's met himself. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. But, but I, I do I, love how how awesomely supportive it's. It's a fun premise, Time Lords and Doctor Who. Um, but also, they always try to keep it. It is maybe not always for kids, but they try to keep it light to some degree. And it's similar to the, this is going to be a weird comparison, but the the reason I like watching the Great British Baking Show is it's very British and they have these wonderful contestants who are all sweet, nice British people who are unfailingly nice to each other. And it's comforting that these are genuine people who are being genuine. So in Doctor Who, when you have Tenet, who's so good, and our new Doctor, who I want to like, I don't know him well enough, but he's lighting up the screen because he's basically going like, oh, it's my show now. But the whole thing of them doing the hug, like, come in here, you, it just feels great. Also, that's a, literally, that's psychotherapy on screen visualized is two halves of one person hugging and going like, I love you. Do you get it? It's like, love yourself. I love you. And giving them a kiss and like, everything's going to be okay. I'm like, God damn, that is a warm, fuzzy feeling. It was. And this, this is where I get into where I wish they had given this, that story a little bit more time to breathe Mm -hmm. because they, there was that, but then there was also the sense of, okay, time to go now. All right. You need another TARDIS. All right, here you go. There's another TARDIS. Go, go, go here. When does the first episode, (laughs) the TARDIS hit? (laughs) What's that? When does the first episode of his series hit? Is it January? I think it's soon. Yeah. I'm, I hope so. I don't want to wait a year. These, these count as the, their yearly Christmas special, right? These three, well, whatever. I mean, yeah. in other words, at the end of it, I was like, I really want to see what this new doctor does because I get enough of a sense of him. But at the same time, we're wrapping up the tenant storyline. We get to see him go home with Donna and uh, they have a lovely family meal. And uh, meanwhile, grandpa's shooting at moles. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a rather interesting way to deal with Bernard Cribbins passing is to just not even acknowledge it. <laughs> <laughs> well, they don't want the character to die. I know, but I thought that it's, it's since we've had this thinking about compare this to like the way that uh, Carrie Fisher's passing was handled, and um, you mean uh, perfectly? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, uh, and damn it, what's his name? The guy, the guy who played uh, Black Panther? Because they they say okay, we can do some weird digital Chadwick Boseman. Chadwick Boseman, we'll we'll have him die off screen. That's what they did. Princess Leia, they say, okay, she's still here, but we're going to use old footage to keep her around at least long enough to yep. get the movie. So in this one, they, they don't do either of those things. They just they don't. They imply they don't that off he's screen. just he's off screen. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah, <laughs> and obviously he's not. He's 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 a. But they did recording characters so they can get away with. They did tease that in the first two, and then you know he's in the wheelchair in that one bit. But the but the whole thing because when he first shows up, he's like. Uh, what's his character's name? Wilf. Wilf, right. He's like, Wilf, is he? He's like, and they're like, well, 
And then he's like, "Oh no, and I love that man." And then he's like, "Oh no, he's just." And we and we all go there like, with him too. Yeah, we like, all go we because we respect it. Yeah. yeah, it's like, no, he's upstairs. You're like, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love the way that Doctor the Doctor loves his extended family, including his companions. It's just mm-hmm. very touching. It really it's is. like, Oh, this is my favorite niece. And uh, Rose mm-hmm. is like, Oh, thank you so much. He's like, no, you are my niece. This is great. It's great. And anytime, like when he's next to Mel and they're at the computers and he's of course trying to save the world, but he goes, you've been okay. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, well, things are kind of like, yeah. What happened with that guy? Oh, no, no. It's like, I've been through some stuff. He's like, Oh, and she goes, but I'm, I'm better. And he's like, oh, that's great. <laughs> catching up and yeah. sarah jane oh sarah jane and it, they mention her and it's just oh, it God, takes that was me a back. great that was such a great episode when she came back for the first time dude just what, saying where he, was that a school right he was investigating yeah. something at a school and, yeah and the god the, the, that scene where they see well they what i loved about each other it was, for the first time and that was one where it's like she's angry for him yeah and it was awesome that 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 heavy seriousness of david Tennant's doctor is one of my favorite things about him he's just like well, he you, can play. I mean, they're all handle the actors. They <laughs> all, ha- they all, they cast actors who can do it all. But Tennant really could, on a dime, take you from something like, "Hold on, Z, oh, I'm being wacky," and then like, "I've been through hell." I will end you. <laughs> yeah. Like, wow. That, that, that scene, the theme, that scene, I always think of is I think it's the Christmas Invasion. I'm not sure where. The the prime minister of England, I think it is at the time. I forget that the, there's a fictional prime minister they make make up. He's he's negotiated peace with these aliens who are invading. Yeah. And, and and in the meantime, she blows them up right after he's completed these. No, and he's furious. So he he goes he walks back around behind one of her her guards and says, "Don't she, she looks tired? Don't you think?" <laughs> And that he, by just saying that one word, he sows that her, her ruin, her political ruin, you know, she gets voted out of office. Oh uh, man. Such a cutting, just vicious, subtle scene. I, I, I'm not sure there will ever be, I mean, because Star Trek, as we've mentioned before, Star Trek has plenty of goofy episodes and occasionally they go lighthearted and I'm all uh, for that, but I think there's not been a show uh as good as doctor who at being able to give you the full breadth it can be deadly serious grim sad i've teared up on at doctor who episodes mm-hmm. and it can be the goofiest cartoon nonsense you've ever seen and it you are never thrown you're like no this is the show mm-hmm. I, i'm not like it'd be like if uh, you know, ER had had a musical episode or something, and people would have been like, "What? You can't do that now." They're singing. <laughs> you can't do that with ER. But Doctor Who has this great flexibility to be anything at any time, and a writer like Russell T. Davies takes advantage of that. So it's in safe hands, I'm sure, and we'll probably not like some of the episodes. And my oh, that was, whoosh. but that guy, his. Uh, ratio of hits to misses is mm-hmm. way in our favor. Yeah. Um, and I hope we, they have, they always do multiple doctor episodes at some point, bring back Jodie Whittaker, give her a chance to walk through a really good doctor who story because she deserves it. Yeah. Um, and 
we've got plenty of doctors alive. It's like, get them back in. I mean, the fact that Tom Baker was not the doctor in that episode, but was like the curator of that museum space, just the fact that he was there and all the other doctors look over at him. They're like, Oh, that face. Yeah. Oh man. Well, and there's a theory. I, I, I do like this theory. I don't know if RTD will go there or not, but, uh, there's a theory that the you know, Tom Baker's um, curator is a very distant future version of this new uh, branch, you know, the, the David Tennant branch of the Doctor. Oh, who was just hanging around on Earth. So he, I'd, I'd heard he, another. He regenerate as he gets old, regenerates into another familiar face, and then another. And because he says he says in the, the episodes that you may find yourself revisiting familiar faces, but only the old favorites. Eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole so thing. He, that's uh, exactly what he's done here. He's revisiting an old face. Yeah, I, I, I think there was always the theory in Doctor Who that the faces may have been faces he encountered before. Mm-hmm. So it's very possible that that curator was not the Doctor. Possible, yes. But it was a face that, at some point in a timeline, he was like, "Well, like he met that face, yes." And that led to our fourth Doctor. As right as was Peter Capaldi's the, the thing he yes. was wrestling that became a plot point of the whole season. Why do I have this face? I must know. <laughs> it's weird to see Capaldi because I saw a trailer for something he's in. It's like some sort of action adventure thing, and he's being like a bad villain guy. It's some Apple TV show or something, and I was just like going, "Man, you're the doctor. It's just weird <laughs> seeing you be like this, like." Kill her and her child, or whatever yeah. it is. It's like, he was great, though, in uh, the Suicide Squad. Was, uh, oh, man, are you kidding? Oof. He was great. Yeah. Whatever his character was. I can't remember. <laughs> Talk about an obscure villain. I, uh, it's like, no, I don't, he wasn't Brainwave, was he? I was reminded of, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I was reminded of uh, one of his scenes, one of the Clara uh, arcs, where he was stuck. I, I vaguely remember this episode, but I saw this one scene where he'd been trapped in this time loop for a billion, like 4 billion years mm. because he was tr- trying to save Clara. Yep. And she finds out later what he did. And he just kind of shrugs it off. Like I have a duty of care is the I, line. And like, Oh, so good. Uh, <laughs> and that was Moffat. I, you know, yep. Oof. Another good writer. Yes. Um, so, uh, but generally speaking, other than your nitpicks, which are n- the nittiest of things. You enjoyed the three specials, yeah. And I'm, 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 I really wanted to rewatch it before this, but I just didn't have time. I'm going to rewatch it. You will. I, I need to soak in that 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 last, especially the second half of the of the last episode again mm-hmm. to kind of just take it all in. Yeah, yeah. Like I was saying it's it's pretty obvious that the they do say that the it's the toy makers magic that that makes the second TARDIS possible. Therefore, yeah, it's it, like it it, it's fading. Possible. They're like it, it's fading, but while it's still here, right? It would have been nice if if we had a scene before the Tormaker was banished that they kind of sorted out, like they they both like maybe they both pointed at the same time. It's like it's you. It's because mm-hmm. you're here, and he's like, mm-hmm. you know, because it clear the Tormaker didn't expect it either, because even he's confused when they split in two. He's like, what? <laughs> so <laughs> it's all very confusing, but I, I'm digging it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. I, I'm digging it and I'm hopeful as well. And on that note, let's wrap yes. her up. Wrap it up. You, I'll take it. <laughs> wrap it up. Yeah. I'll take it. All right. I guess I'll talk to you uh, next year. Uh, <laughs> well, happy sure Crumble. We'll before then. Happy, happy Crumble and uh, Merry Goop Okay. 2024 going to be our year. Yeah, it is. Okay. <laughs>
Bye, everybody. Oh, then it's okay, then.